Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I wanted to share a little bit about this book I came across earlier today. Um, it still has me a little bit freaked out. So I talked about in the last episode how I um, had previously mentioned I wanted to like focus on a retirement plan and cut back on expenses. And um, that was basically my New Year's resolution. And it was also my solution, my rational solution to that catastrophic thinking I'd been having about switching jobs or finding a different job was to focus on a retirement account. And part of that is saving money. And part of saving money is cutting costs. And I was going to cut my cable and all that. Um, and part of cutting cable, you know, I was thinking of what to do to fill in some of that time when I might just be, you know, brainlessly watching television. And my idea was just to read as many books as I could at the library. So I came across a book and I told you how it freaked me out because I literally went to the library and I picked out the first book on the first shelf on the top corner, top left corner of the first shelf. So where the books start on the second floor of the library, I'm skipping the kids section, obviously. Um, so it's, you know, the second floor is, I think it's all mostly true things. I guess you could say the third floor is more novels and things, imaginative things or false things, whatever you want to call them, fiction. But the first book on the first shelf, as I said in my last episode, on the first page, is a quote from my favorite philosopher, which I don't ever hear anybody talk about this philosopher, Jose Ortega y Gasset. And I just was blown away by this. And I, I wanted to share that I'm even more blown away when I looked up this author. His name is Mortimer J. Adler. And so I looked up a few things, just random, like if you Google his name, Mortimer Mortimer J. Adler, and you just scroll under and it says, like, what is he known for? What is the philosophy of Mortimer J. Adler? I had no idea that this was even going to be a section on philosophy or history. I literally went to the first section of books in the library. This was the first book. I had no idea it was going to be covering exactly what my podcast. I had talked about doing a new podcast that was going to be a way to bring in income um, about history because I studied history and philosophy and this book that I pulled out is about that topic. It's not about podcasts because this was written in the eighties, but it's a guidebook to learning for the lifelong pursuit of wisdom is the title of the book. And when I looked up what school of psych psychology was proposed by Adler, because apparently he worked in that field says Alfred Adler was an Austrian physician and psychiatrist who formed the school of thought known as individual psychology. But this is the point that I'm just blown away. Okay. So recently I talk, you know, I talk about routinely on this podcast, um, feelings of incompetence. And I recently have, have used the word infer inferior feelings of inferiority or feeling inferior because there was somebody came over and I talked about judgment and everything and how, you know, this person was being judgmental and it made me feel stupid. Um, 
and you have to see it for what it is when someone's being judgmental you know i'm i'm not stupid um but it, i felt that way and it was a big trigger because of those feelings of incompetence that go back to stress and complex ptsd and it says on this alfred um this uh what school of psychology was proposed by Adler, um, this uh, Mortimer J. Adler, it says uh, he's remembered for his concepts of the inferiority feeling and inferiority complex, which played a big role in Adler's theory of personality formation. And I was like, what? Like, what are the odds of that? Like, I'm just... It's freaking me out a little bit, to be quite honest. Because um, he's basically saying, from what I've read of different things, he basically talks about how, um, and this was years ago, the way that schools of thought or higher institutions of higher learning, they weren't um, kind of set up so everybody could kind of be as wise as they could be. And I totally agree with that. Like, that's one reason I wanted to do a podcast um, about, you know, history isn't what you think it is. Like, it's it's so much of it that is shown to us as sensationalism. Um, like, I don't know everything about this guy. I just started learning about this guy. Um, but I'm just blown away that this is the book. Like, literally, I had decided to do something in order to have a more stable future, a retirement account. And part of that was cutting costs and part of that was reading books. And this is the first book I come across. And it's talking about what I've been talking about. Like, what are the odds of that? Out of a gazillion books at the library, I mean, this is just so weird. Um, So another thing it says on here, Adler believes that philosophy is for every man. He believes that Becoming a generally educated human being also involves some grasp of the history of history and of philosophy and some understanding of the philosophy of history and of philosophy. Well, yeah, exactly. It's a lot like historiography. Um, but, you know, why is what we're reading? Why is it what, what it is? Like, that's kind of the same thing. It's very much historiography, um, which I, I studied in school. Like... Um, He also doesn't believe in borrowing and lending books, which I find interesting. Um, Now, this is his own thing here. This isn't anything that I'm into, but it says you don't want to lend your books because a marked copy is a kind of intellectual diary and lending it is almost like giving your mind away. If your friend wishes to read your Plutarch's Lives, Shakespeare or the Federalist Papers, tell him gently but firmly to go buy a copy. Um, so he's really into that and he's very much to the belief because I saw even, there was something along in here that I saw somewhere that, um, about trauma and I'm going to have to find it before I end this podcast. Um, but he, he has basically the belief that you create your own happiness and I totally get that. Um, you know, I, I think that that's true, but I do think your past trauma can absolutely um, interfere with your future. I mean, that's what I talk about on this podcast like every day um, is, you know, ways in the past 
before I ever knew that I had complex PTSD, my past trauma was absolutely interfering with my life. Um, so I just want to come across another thing that he believes is um, the primary objective of education is to lead the child to discover and follow his style of life to find out and reach his goal. The lifestyle is formed during the first four or five years. Therefore, the upbringing and training at that stage is of utmost importance. I can see that a lot. Um, I didn't used to believe that years ago, but in the last few years, I absolutely understand that, especially if you have a caregiver who's inconsistent. Um, I think that that's huge. Um, you know, it's that can really impact just your whole concept of the world that you're going to grow up in is if you have that inconsistent upbringing. Um, but again, I mean, he doesn't think that past traumas can interfere with your future, but yeah, he's saying that those first four years are so important. Um, but maybe he's not relating trauma to that. I don't know. Um, I want to come across this point about trauma and I hope I can find out while I'm doing this episode um, talks about mental health um, I mean there's just a lot of things on here that I find just flabber I'm flabbergasted oh here it is so he says trauma doesn't influence our future and that's what he thinks uh, it says throughout the book, they debate whether happiness is something that happens to you or something that you create for yourself. Now, I do believe that you can create happiness, especially through comedy, because I've talked about that on here, how, you know, if I were to grow up in a traumatic home and I didn't have a sense of humor about it or be able to laugh at it occasionally, I don't know how I would have made it. I've said that just recently, about a month ago. Um so this also goes on to say Adler believed that our past traumas don't define our future. So the word define, I think that's critical there. He believed our past traumas don't define our future. And I don't think that they have to. So I, I do agree with that. Um, and then it says, instead we can choose how traumas affect our present or future lives. So maybe it's just the way things are worded here. Because in one way, it's saying trauma doesn't influence our future. But then in another sentence, it says our past traumas don't define our future. So I don't know. Those sound like two different things to me. Um, but I, I was just, I'm just blown away. So this kind of reminds me, I've talked to you guys before in the past about clairvoyance. And I don't know if I'm clairvoyant. I have no idea. I mean, I don't claim to be a psychic or anything, but I have had dreams that have come true about things. And I've also had instances where the man who like lived in my house and all that, that I've talked about, where I wrote a paper about this preacher from the 1800s. And I think this preacher, his name was Elihu Wolcott. He lived in the town I grew up in. He moved there from Connecticut. And um, I think this preacher is the root of what would become the party of Abraham Lincoln, which would lead up to the Civil War. Um, 
But what was interesting is that a man who portrayed Elihu in a play about the founding of his church in the town I grew up in, um, that man lived in my house. And I didn't know that. And I wrote my paper about this guy. And then like the day before I was supposed to talk about this guy on like a local PBS station and give a presentation at a, a presidential museum, um, the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum, I found out that this guy who portrayed him specifically, that guy lived in the house I grew up in where my parents still live. And I was like, well, what are the odds of that? Like this dude lived in my house. Like this is weird. And this is what this is reminding me of is this, this book with this quote in it from my favorite philosopher. And this guy is talking about all these things that, I've talked about, you know, he, he, he covers things that I've covered so much on this podcast. Like it's, it's weird. Um, but again, this book is called a guidebook to learning for the lifelong pursuit of wisdom by Mortimer J. Adler. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Donnie Darko. Have you ever seen that movie? So there's this, there's this teacher named Roberta Sparrow and she wrote a book called The Philosophy of Time Travel. And the whole movie is about this guy who... It's Johnny Depp. Or not Johnny Depp, I'm sorry. It's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. And he um, he plays Donnie Darko in it. And it came out in 2001. And it's about a plane crash, if you can believe that, the whole movie. But um, And it came out that year. but And it came out around that same time, too, which was weird. But... Um, the movie is about a, a kid who gets caught in like a a time loop and he basically sleepwalks and misses his own death. And so the whole movie is about him getting caught in a time warp and he has to go back and save everybody. It reminds me a lot of um, The Catcher in the Rye um, with that character I mentioned about a month ago, Holden Caulfield. Because he's going back to save everybody. And in The Catcher in the Rye, he's trying to save all the kids from becoming adults. Um, it's very much like that. But a lot of Americans didn't see this movie, Donnie Darko. Because it came out when the um, 2001 attacks happened. The plane crashes in New York City. And I think Pennsylvania and the Pentagon. But so a lot of Americans didn't see it. Because obviously we were going through huge trauma. And um, people just weren't going to the movies at that time, you could say. But that's what that movie is about. It's about, um, there's this uh, philosopher woman who used to teach philosophy. And then she kind of, I don't know if you want to say loses her mind. But she becomes known as like, uh, I can't remember what her nickname is. Um, but she she basically becomes this character that Donnie relates to. And while he's in this time warp, whatever you want to call it, he's connecting with her. And she wrote a book about everything that he's experiencing because she wrote a book called The Philosophy of Time Travel. Um, but that's literally what this book is reminding me of right now. Like, it's kind of freaking me out. Um, there was another book that this kind of happened with. When I was writing that same paper about L. Hugh Wolcott um, at the Illinois State Library, there was a book that 
literally mention the town that I lived in and an article that, that was in the New York Tribune in like 1856. It was right after the Kansas-Nebraska Act, but it was signed Old 76 and it was from it was an it was a piece written to the New York Tribune from Jacksonville, Illinois. And it was signed Old 76 and Elihu's ancestor was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, which was in 1776. So I assumed Elihu had written it. But it was basically calling for a new party that would end slavery. Um, and when I saw that in this book, it was really weird because I, I wasn't even looking for it. And it just like jumped out at me. It was really strange. Because um, I think I was, I was reading about Ripon, Wisconsin, which is where the Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln, was formed. Um, and coincidentally, it was formed in the same type of church as what Elihu Wolcott founded in the town I lived in. And Elihu's the guy I wrote my paper about. Um, I wrote that paper about. The other guy I wrote my paper about for college was Barton Stone. And that's the other guy I had a whole other situation happen with, by the way, which I've talked about on here before. Um, but I'm just blown away. Like, I'm almost a little nervous to read this book because um, it's, I think history repeats itself. And I feel like what I'm going to read in this book. So this was written in the 80s, but I feel like what I'm going to read in this book is going to be absolutely relatable to today's higher institutions of higher learning because there's a lot that I disagree with. So I grew up going to public school. I went to public grade school, high school, then I went to a community college. And then when I got my bachelor's, after I did massage for a few years and I had my massage license, I then went and got my bachelor's at a private school, like a very elite private school. And I saw the difference between the way public schools operate and the way private schools operate. And a lot of it has to do with money. Um, and at private schools, at least colleges, the professors can say like anything. Where at a public school, they can't do that. Um, and I was also more into a specialized field. So I was around people who were really into their craft. Um, You know, they were diehard historians who were writing books and diehard philosophers, like legit people, um, and like very much into it. And it just was very, um, like some of my professors had graduated from like Harvard and Stanford and one of my classmates went to Princeton and it just, it was a whole other world. And ironically, the, that college that I went to was in the town that I grew up in, like two blocks from where I grew up. I had no idea it was so elite and everything, had no clue. And I had grown up around professors that worked there and everything. Um, but it was just so different. And so much of it had to do with money. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that access to higher learning and access to material was based on money. I didn't like that. And that was one reason I want to do my, my history podcast is because I don't think things should be based on money. Um, you know, there should be, no, I don't think, I'm, I don't think information should be based on money. I should be, I should correct myself there. Information. Um, obviously money makes the world go around. You could say we all have to earn something to have something, I guess, but information 
And particularly when I was in school, the scholarly articles that you write your papers with, the colleges shell out a lot of money for access to those articles on websites because the people that do the research for those articles, that's how they earn a lot of their living is by doing research, putting out articles and having something new. Like let's say somebody's writing about the ice age or something. Um, they do a lot of research for that. And so they get compensated and the higher institution institution of higher learning they pay different, um, I guess I'll just say websites like JSTOR. They pay different, you know, um, I shouldn't really call it a website. It's like a an access point. They pay an access point to, um, or an outlet, whatever you want to call it, to store all of that. And the more scholarly and the more vetted they are, the more money they get. Um you know, obviously no plagiarism, things like that. And not something that's just a repeat of a repeat. They want new information. And, but it costs a lot of money to even have access to that. So certain schools don't have that kind of money because they don't have the donors who are giving that kind of money. So therefore those students cannot write their papers as scholarly as a student at a college that has more money. And it's all based on money, right? Um, and so those students aren't going to be able to get as much of a, a head up as these other students who have access to these scholarly articles that cost more money just to even have those footnotes and those resources. And that really was the clincher for me. And I was like, well, everything is rigged. Like this is, this is wacky. Um, it was just so, I'm so glad that I had two perspectives. I had, you know, one perspective of public school and then one perspective of not just a private school, but a private school that had a lot of money. Um, and it was really expensive to go there, but I just couldn't believe that. Cause I'm all about like a public library, like, you know, educating yourself through a public library system. Like you can totally do almost everything that anybody at any school could do. You just have to specialize in something and, you know, become a master at something that maybe a lot of people don't know anything about. Um, for instance, for me, I know a lot about the Underground Railroad in Morgan County, Illinois. Like I know it almost like the back of my hand. I would say I know it like the back of my hand, but I'm sure there's things I'll never even know that are part of history that have been lost forever. Um but I mean, that's just one little example. That would be something that I feel like I specialize in. That's very rare that a lot of people don't, except for maybe five other people. Um, so again, I find it interesting that this guy, this Mortimer J. Adler, wrote this book and he's quoting my favorite philosopher. And this is the book I go to. Um, I'm just you know, out of all the books that could have been the first book that I choose to start reading because I'm trying to make cuts on my bills, like this is the book. It's just too weird. Like it's just, it's absolutely zany, but I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know why these things happen to me, like with the guy that lived in my house and with my dreams. I recently was telling other people about my dreams recently and 
sometimes people don't believe you and like whatever it doesn't matter um i don't know why the hell they happen i don't know why why i dream about things and then they happen who knows um but anyway i just wanted to mention that this guy is even talking about more he's talking about trauma and he's talking about like other things that I've talked about on this podcast that are very specific things that I'm just, I am baffled. I'm yeah. Anyway, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Like I've never heard of this guy before. And when I opened this book and saw that quote, I thought, no way he's quoting out of all philosophers, somebody that I've never even heard anybody else ever bring up who's my favorite philosopher. Like, it's just too strange. But anyway, I'm going to end this episode here, and I might try to read the first chapter tonight um, of this book. So I've actually been watching, have you ever seen the movie Girl Interrupted with Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie? Um, It was one of my favorite movies back in the day. It actually came out, I guess it came out in 99, But I've told you guys before that I was in the mental hospital when I was 21, back in 2003. And that movie always reminds me of that, because in the movie, they're in a a mental hospital um, back in the 60s. And when I was in there, um, at the same time that I went, several people I knew in college, because I was in college at the time, um, they also went. And I went because I was going to hurt myself. Um, but people that I also knew in school, they ended up in the mental hospital too, cause they were going to hurt themselves. Um, it kind of reminds me of that because in the movie, it's all these, it's all these young people and they become friends, but they're all in there at the same time. And they're all just having life issues and they just don't know how quite to figure things out. Um, and my next episode, by the way, um, I might do it right after this, by the, um, but it's going to be about, um, how I'm finally starting to kind of come to a conclusion about very specific things in my life that, you know, sometimes certain things haunt us longer than they might haunt somebody else. And I feel like with my recent bouts with, um, I shouldn't say bouts with, but my recent um, counseling sessions, which I went back into counseling this past October, November, after the accident in October, um, I realized that the things that have haunted me, the reason a lot of things have been happening more than once, like they've been repeating themselves, I feel like I'm finally coming to that conclusion and I'm finally reaching a point where I'm letting those things go, um, which feels really good, but I feel like I'm, you know, finally seeing it for what it really is. Um, So I'll talk about that in my next episode. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off.